Hi, this is Stephen Ambrose, Senior Pastor at Wapak Naz. I want to welcome you to the Wapak Naz podcast. We hope and pray that this message goes deep into your DNA, is encouraging, relevant to your life, a means for you to engage with God and experience His love, and moves you to impact your world. We at Wapak Naz believe firmly that you matter to God. We are glad that you are taking the risk to engage with Him today. Wapak Naz is love people loving people to Jesus, and it takes people to partner with us to be on mission and bring this message to our community, the region, and the world. If you would like to financially partner with Wapak Naz to love people to Jesus, join us by going to our website at wapaknaz.org and becoming a financial partner. We thank you, we pray for you, we love you, and enjoy the message. You may be seated. Man. Are you ready to go for a ride? I'm ready to rock. So is my wife. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to invite my wife up. Uh, she's going to be serving upstairs. And next week, um, Adam Lugers and I, we're going we're gonna to share uh, stories of Cuba. You're going to hear some of those peppered and salted within this morning. But uh, I, I said, oh, I forgot that you're upstairs and you won't be here to share. So I'd ask my wife if, if she would share a story that really impacted her um, while we were on our journey in Cuba. So, babe, take her away. <laughs> well, I just want to, first of all, thank you all for being part of our Cuba trip. For your prayers, um, we felt them. Uh, the trip went very, very smooth, and we know it was because you as a church were praying for us. And I want to thank you also for all of your donations that you gave, whether you gave money or whether you gave items. Um, next week, I'll put some pictures together that we'll have running on the screen ahead of time. That way you can see just the joy on the faces of the people um, as they receive the item. So thank you, church, very much for your involvement. I want to share with you the story about um, a gentleman by the name of Juan Carlos. And, uh, and Brendan, can you go ahead and put up that first picture of Juan Carlos? When you look at Juan Carlos, you can just see that big smile and the joy uh, of him that he was experiencing, that joy that can only come from the Lord. But Juan Carlos wasn't, didn't always experience that joy in his life. In fact, early on in his life, we learned that he had been in prison twice um, for trying to sell drugs. He had um, felt kind of this hopelessness inside of him early on in life. And when you're in Cuba, one of the things about the country is you find that the economy of Cuba is completely different than the economy in America. You see luxuries like being able to choose what kind of a job that you would like to, to do, a place that you'd like to work at, where you would like to go to school. Um, luxuries like having a toilet seat on a toilet or having enough toilet paper, uh, having enough food for your table to eat. Things that we enjoy here in America are only luxuries in Cuba, and many times they don't have that opportunity. Juan Carlos, the, the, the position that the authorities chose for him was he was a fisherman, and he was to go out and to catch fish to bring back um, to the first 100 fish, uh, approximately so many kilometers was always, or kilograms, would, would go back to the authorities that belonged to them. And then anything beyond that, any extras that he had, he could use to provide food for his family. The state of Juan Carlos was that hopelessness, um, not being able to provide enough and feeling as though whatever he did was never enough. 
And so for him, the hope that he thought that he had was to be able to get to America where he could create for himself a better life. And so he tried being a fisherman. He was used to being on the water. And so he would try one time failed attempt, two times failed attempt, three times, four times. And then on the fifth time, he made it as far as being able to see land and the makeshift raft that he had made for himself, the motor went out and his boat raft went back, drifted back to Cuba where the authorities picked him up and took him back. At that time, he decided that that was his last try, that he was going to try to figure out a way to make a difference there in Cuba. And the Lord worked on his heart. He, he came to know the Lord, and, and that hopelessness changed to a hope and a purpose for his people. Well, during, at some point, um, he had started off with a simple rowboat, and he wasn't able to bring in a lot of fish. And over 10 years ago, I was serving as children's pastor at Upper Valley Community Church in Piqua. And the story together with Juan Carlos, because every year, just like we do at Wapak Naz, we like to do a mission project. And we're very careful about choosing mission projects that we believe will make an impact um, to the people that we give it to. Well, that year at Upper Valley Community Church, over 10 years ago, the mission project was Deep Sea Adventure. And Pastor Paul, um, I was working with him, he came to me and he said, do you think that you guys could raise enough money to buy a boat? And I was like, how much is it? Well, that boat was about seven or $8,000, and we had over 300 children that were attending Vacation Bible Adventures and at Upper Valley Church, and I said, we are going to do it. We're going to try. And so just like we do at Wapak Naz, we set up the Penny March, and we went through the process. And sure enough, we raised enough money to purchase a boat. Well, that boat was sent over to Cuba, and it went to another pastor. But that pastor didn't do a very good job with the resources that were given to him. And we found out that six or seven years ago, Juan Carlos ended up with the boat that we had purchased many, many years ago from Upper Valley. Juan Carlos was so excited to show us the boat that, um, go ahead and throw up the next picture there, that he took us down to the dock to show us his boat. And this is Juan Carlos and his wife and Stephen and I. Go ahead and show the next picture. Um, he let me sit in the boat, and it was just so cool to see how God had used the children of Upper Valley Church and to know that when we're giving our gifts to the Lord, when, when we're doing what we can with what we have, that he continues to use them. Every year that they bring uh, teams to this part of Cuba, Juan Carlos puts on his chef hat and he cooks up a big meal. So go ahead and show that next picture. He cooked up for us fish, pescado, and lobster, and all kinds of different foods for us to enjoy. Go ahead. We had a wonderful meal to enjoy. And the good news, churches, is that the Lord is blessing him. He gives his first 100 back to the government, and then the Lord supplies him more and more. He uses that to, to feed his family, but also to share that food with the church. And the work of the church is strong in the little town of Catalina. And uh, it's just so cool what God can do. So thank you for allowing me to share that story with you this morning.
That's awesome. I was told many, many times on this trip, you married up. <laughs> and they're right, as you can tell. <laughs> uh, if you would, please pull out your Bible. Uh, there are Bibles in the chairs below you. Or if you have your phone, uh, please pull out your phone that has a Bible app on it. We're going to go to Luke. The book of Luke in the New Testament, Luke chapter, where am I at here? I don't even, there you go, Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8, and I'm going to put this here so I don't kick it because I know I will. Luke chapter 8, and we're going to start at verse 26. Luke chapter 8, we're going to start at verse 26. They sailed to the region of the Gerasenes, which is across the lake from Galilee. When it says they, this is Jesus and his 12 disciples. The Gerasenes. When you journey with God, you will go where only the resurrected can go. The Gerasenes are on the other side of the lake. If you can imagine Grand Lake St. Mary's, and just increase it just a little bit. Grand Lake St. Mary's, I believe, is about nine miles long and a few miles wide. The Sea of Galilee is nine by about 13. So it's not much greater than the Grand Lake St. Mary's. You can stand on one side of the Sea of Galilee and look and see the other side of the Sea of Galilee. You can literally follow a boat with your eyes to go to the other side. The other side is where no Jew respectable Jew would go in the first century. Why? Because that's the Decapolis region. That's the region of pagans. That's the region that is unclean. When you journey with God, when you say amen, you will go where only the resurrected can go. Why? Because you've already been dead once. You've already been dead once, and now you're alive. And so Jesus took his disciples, apparently with no issue whatsoever. They didn't balk at it. They just went along for the ride. Let's continue. When Jesus stepped ashore, he was met by a demon-possessed man from the town. For a long time, this man had not worn clothes or lived in a house but had lived in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell at his feet, shouting at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had commanded the evil spirit to come out of the man. Many times it had seized him. And though he was chained hand and foot and kept under guard, he had broken his chains and had been driven by the demon into solitary places. In the Gospel of Mark, he tells this story as well. And we find out that this man not only lived among the dead, not only was naked, didn't live in a house, didn't live in the community, but also cut himself often. 
This man was isolated from the people that were his people. And the people that were his people were no longer his people. In fact, his own people and his own community chained him. Kept him under guard. But as we saw and as we read, no chain can hold him. He broke those chains. And the demon drove him to solitary places to live among the dead as if he was already dead i find it interesting here that as jesus literally steps on shore the man ran and fell at his feet but notice who's talking it's not the man it's the impure spirit having a conversation conversation with jesus There are things that in the United States that possess the common human being. And when those things possess us, they speak for us. For instance, selfish ambition, indifference and apathy, excuses, success, lust, deep desires, There are things that might actually be possessing you right now. They may not be a demon, but they sure have a lot of power over you and over me. And they sure speak for us when we should be the ones speaking. Today I ask you, what is it? What is it that's holding you? That's limiting you? That's possessing you? Only you and God know that answer. Because more often than not, the people around us don't, aren't even aware of it. I find it also very ironic that the demon recognized the power and the authority that Jesus Christ has. We live in a time that even leadership those that are true leaders most people don't even recognize their own authority but here in our world we also don't even recognize the authority of god it's the the battle between science reason and faith which those two do come together they answer very different questions but they work well together. The demon recognized the authority of Jesus, fell at his feet. And so today, I hope you're not only experiencing the love of God, but you're understanding his authority over our life. Let's continue. Jesus asked him, what is your name? Legion, he replied, because many demons had gone into him, and they begged him repeatedly not to order them into the abyss. A large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside. I kind of like reading this and imagining I was one of the sheep or the, the pig herders, watching this whole thing go down, because it's really interesting. The demons begged Jesus to let them go into them, and, and he gave them permission. 
When the demons came out of the man, they went into the pigs, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and was drowned. Holy moly, that's my whole income. I'd be really ticked off. <laughs> when those tending the pigs saw what happened, they ran off, reported this into the town and the countryside, and the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw, they found the man from whom the demons had gone out, sitting at Jesus' feet, dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people how the demon-possessed man had been cured, literally rescued, healed, preserved, made well. Then all the people of the Gerasenes asked Jesus to leave them because they were overcome with fear. So we got into the boat and left. The man from whom the demons had gone out begged to go with him. But Jesus sent him away saying, return home and tell how much God has done for you. So the man went away and told all over town. And Mark actually tells us he went all over the region of Decapolis to tell how much Jesus had done for him. Luke never indicates to us, nor does Matthew or Mark, how long this man had suffered from being possessed by what had possessed him. But what is very obvious and very clear is that he was isolated and in need of community. He was no longer living in his home. He was no longer with his family. He had been chained and kept at guard long enough that he broke the chains and the guards were no longer there. What is very evident that he longed for community, he longed for connection, as we're designed to be. And in this point, he had no power to free himself. And in fact, this man was still a human being. Has it ever occurred to us that those that are fighting against us the most, whether it's your own son or your daughter, whether it's, whether it's that brash, harsh, critical coworker or boss, whether it's the addicted, those that push against you the most are actually the ones that need you the most. The ones that literally, desperately long to be loved on the soul level. Because those of us who can't speak for ourselves 
because of what possesses us. On the deepest level of who we are, our soul cries out for the one who created our soul. And it's in community that we find that. It's through the human being that we find that, who has been radically transformed and changed in their life at their core. So I just, for those parents and those grandparents, those aunts and those uncles, those spouses, those wives, those husbands, for those that are pushing hard against you, who are isolating themselves, who are withdrawing, they don't know it, but they need you. However much they push against you, they need you to love them and care for them and to pray for them, to bring them before the feet of Jesus. So I encourage you today, if you've given up, start again. Love them hard. With hard love. With boundaries. But love them nonetheless. I find it interesting. And actually I'm very uncomfortable. With the moment that Jesus is having a conversation with the demon. Immediately after... He cast the demon out of the man. The man is in a moment of a new reality. And he's naked. Trying to figure out what just happened. And Jesus is literally having a conversation with the demon outside of the man. Let's go back to it, just in case we missed it. Let my eyes adjust. Here we go. Verse 28. <laughs> When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell at his feet, shouting at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had commanded the evil spirit to come out of the man. Pause. Luke then gives us more detail about the man. Jump down a couple verses. Verse 30. Jesus asked him, what is your name? Legion, he replied. And he's having a conversation with the demon while the man in a new reality is standing there naked. I would kind of think, hey, have a conversation with the guy who's naked. Find him some clothes. Say, hey, this is what just happened to you. No. He's having a conversation with the demon. Why? For years, I've wondered why this always baffled me. You ever read scripture and go, this doesn't make any sense? Okay, I'm glad I'm not the only one, okay? I just want you to know it's okay to ask the questions. But don't give up in trying to find the answer. See, 
Like I said, when you journey with God, you go where only the resurrected can go because you've already been dead. And now you're alive. And Jesus is literally standing in this moment between the new man and what possessed him. Jesus is the only one that can go toe-to-toe, face-to-face with the evil that possesses you. Let me say that again. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, that kid of the carpenter, is the only one that can go toe-to-toe with the evil that possesses you. And in fact, he stands in that moment almost acting like a barrier that you will not return to this man. And he declares the authority that he has in that moment. This isn't just the human being Jesus. This is the human being Jesus as well as the full God of Jesus all in one in this moment who has authority over all things. He puts all things together and holds all things together. I think this is why Luke brings this out. Because none of the other ones really kind of make mention. They just skim across this moment. Here, Jesus is face to face with that evil. Whatever may be possessing you, whatever it is, Jesus is the one that can face it. Jesus. All that is possessing you is silencing your voice, overpowering you, and keeping you down. But still your soul cries out. You know whether you believe in God or not. You know you're created for something greater than what you are today. You know you're created for something and designed for something much greater than what you've allowed to possess you. Whether you've invited it in or not. You just know. Because that's your soul. That's your soul crying out. Carlito. We met him at his parsonage. He was an unassuming pastor. Thin, quiet, reserved. And that was my first assessment. Boy, did I have this guy wrong. He jumped on the bus with us, rode to a couple other churches. We pulled up in front of a house. Paul Jetter said, whoever wants to come in can come in. We're only going to be here for a little bit. I've learned on previous trips with Paul that when he says that, he might be in there for two hours. So go. Don't miss out. Because there were some that missed out. Carlito had been coming to this, this area of Havana for quite some time. See, Carlito 
is a man who goes where only the resurrected go because he's been dead once and now he's alive. See, this region, this area of Havana is one of the most dangerous, as we heard. There's a lot of gang activity, aggressive activity, exchange of drugs, use of drugs. But at the center of it is Santeria and voodoo. Satan worship and voodoo. And so Carlito would come into this community, into this region of Havana. That skinny, unassuming guy with a passion for Jesus and people. And he would come into this community and be confronted by the gangs, the men, the husbands, as he was sharing Jesus. He was warned. You come in, you don't go out. Threatened twice for his life. But Carlito said, I did not come to bring conflict, but resolution. And so, Carlito would bring food and toys. He would hand those to the kids and bring food for the wives. While doing so, there's this woman, Alminda. She has more life behind her than she has ahead of her. She's short. She's dealing with health issues. Alminda's friend, who loves her enough to share Jesus with her, witnessed to her a lot. But Alminda pushed her away. Resisted. Carlos shared Jesus with Alminda's son, and he received Jesus. Alminda was into Satan worship, using idols and charms she had placed in her home. And her son said, Mom, can we have the church? in your house absolutely not you will meet outside of my house but you will never meet in my house Carlito continued to come into the community Alminda's friend continued to share Jesus Alminda went to the hospital received a a picture from her son of people gathered in a place about 20 people she didn't recognize the place Where is this? It's in your house. Church was meeting in her house. So she relinquished and allowed them to meet in her house. But she would not have anything to do with it. She continued to worship Satan with her idols and her charms. But the power of Jesus through those people meeting in a seven-by-seven or seven-by-eight room, packed full of human beings, people praying for Alminda, Carlito bringing food and toys to the community, the wives of those gang members who had threatened them said, no, don't hurt Carlito, he's helping our families. Alminda 
receive Jesus and immediately burned those idols that she used in Satan worship. She said she felt different. Something changed in her. And as soon as she burned those idols, she also felt different, but dealt with a battle. And she described this battle as a, a two-hour battle with those spirits. Her friend, who had been witnessing to her over the years, would text her and tell her she's praying for her and send her scripture as she was battling. But after those two hours, she, she felt different again, as she described it. She was transformed. She was freed. You know the people that we know that seem most chained, most aggressive. They just want to be free. They want to be freed on the level of their soul. It's much deeper than food, paychecks, health. It's their soul. Alminda sat in her chair telling her story how God absolutely radically changed her life. She was possessed. There's no question about it. She was the man in the story. She was the man in the story. No, she wasn't living in the tombs. She wasn't chained. She was literally living in a community of the living dead. And she was one of them walking. And Jesus resurrected her. She's now the treasurer of the church. They hold church in her place. Over 20 to 30 people. When they started, it was an 11-year-old girl that preached and led because no one else knew anything but this 11 year old girl said I'll preach I'll lead and now they're meeting in two different places in that community people are welcoming Carlito people are now coming to Alminda's home for help for prayer for someone to walk in their life with them because they see the freedom in Aminda. See, Juan Carlos and Aminda, they've been sharing their before and after stories. Jesus told the, the man who had been freed from the demons, no, don't come here. Go home. Go back with your family, your family that has left you here. Go back to your neighborhood who has forgotten you. Oh, I'm sure there were some forgiving conversations there. Probably some real hard conflict, I would imagine. But go back and share how much God has done for you. 
I can imagine the story. Amy and I were doing an eight-week trek study, which I encourage you, if you're new here, and you're really just curious about Jesus, you, you don't have him figured out yet. Trust me, I don't have him figured out yet. But you're really curious about this, this man who is also God, who died on the cross and rose from the dead. I just challenge you, take that connection card. Sign up for that eight-week trek. There are people here that will walk through the Word of God with you, have conversations with you. Just like Amy and I have been doing with two teenagers that aren't even a part of this church. We met them through a Global Leadership Summit several years ago. And this last year, they were really curious about Jesus. They hadn't been in church in a long time. And we said, are you curious? Would you like to do an eight-week Bible study? Absolutely. And as we were walking through this story, one of the girls looked up and was like, it's as if your after story's still being written. Because it is. Your after story. When you meet Jesus, he rewrites your whole story. And he continues to write it. He continues to move in your life. You see new things that happen. Juan Carlos, God's still writing his after story. God's still using Juan Carlos to impact not only the church, but his community in which he lives in. I shift the hand of Juan Carlos. I can feel his hands, how callous they are. He decided to use what the government told him and what was gifted to him. He said, you know, I'm going to make an impact with what it's been given to me. And it's those hands. It's those hands that he uses to bring food to his neighbors, food to his church, and bring the gospel as well. Do you want to go where only the resurrected can go? You can't go on your own. You've got to follow the one who is the resurrection and the life. There's a problem in our community. And I guarantee there's a problem in your community. It looks exactly the same. Auglaize County is about 41%, according to statistics, and please correct me if I'm wrong, so go do your research. About 41% of Auglaize County has zero faith affiliation. Zero. They don't go to church. They don't believe in God. They don't believe in Allah. They don't believe in anything. And they don't connect with the community. You apply that to Wapak, let's use whole numbers here, because I don't math well. If you apply that to 10,000 people, you got 4,100. There's 4,100 people. That's the problem. They don't know Jesus. My guess is there's a lot more. There's probably some sitting in a church right now that have been coming to church for 40 years. They don't know Jesus. They think he's all about religion. Oh, it's about relationship. 
You know what the solution is? You. You. You are the solution. Just like the demon-possessed man, you're the one who can share your before and after and share the, the after story that continues to be written. You can go among the dead because you've been resurrected. You're the solution because you're the one bringing the light into the community that comes from Jesus Christ. You. It isn't me. It isn't Sunday service. It's you. Will you go where only the, the resurrected can go? Will you do what only the resurrected can do? Because God's calling you to do it. God's calling you. And if you're trying to pray about it, wondering, is he really? Here's your sign. Yes. Yes, he is. Because he's changed you. He's shaped you. He's made you. He's designed you for something greater. But you may be here, and you may not know Jesus. If that's you, I want to tell you, he loves you. He loves you deeply. He knows you better than you do. And he's the one that frees you. It isn't education. It isn't intellect. It isn't success. It isn't talent. Football will never save you. It isn't women. It isn't men. It's not money. It's the Son of God the resurrection, and the life. You might actually be the walking dead that he wants to give life to. All you have to do is choose him. Say yes. And you'll go where resurrected people go. And you will do what only resurrected people do. Do you mind bowing your heads for just one moment? Jesus, Son of God, Lord of Lords, King of Kings, friend and carpenter. I'm sure your hands were as rough as Juan Carlos's, but it's your hands that were stretched. Huh, that's interesting on wood nailed you surrendered your life to give us life and Jesus I I really ask that in this moment if there's that that there's that movement in our souls and our spirits that we just know that there's something pulling us towards you I ask that they just say yes. With your heads bowed, and I'm sure you're probably looking around, that's okay. 
if this morning you have come to conclusion that Jesus is the Son of God and Jesus is the answer, that Jesus is the one that frees you, this is that moment, this is that time, this is your moment, this is your time to step across the line of faith. And I'm asking that you be brave, that you be courageous, because we are a brave and courageous people here at Wapak Nas. We take the risk. We become dangerous. I'm asking that you bring Jesus into your life. You choose him. So I'm going to say a simple prayer. And I'm asking that you pray along with me. There's nothing magical about the prayer. It's the sincerity of your heart and the truth that it declares. Jesus, you are Son of God. You died on the cross for the forgiveness of my sins. And Lord, I ask that you forgive me of my sins. That you free me. And that, Lord, you resurrected on the third day. You didn't stay dead. You rose. Lord, I believe that. I believe that you are the Son of God. So today, Jesus, I give you my life. Because you gave yours for me. If you asked him for the very first time, or you rededicated yourself to him today, I'm going to ask that you do something bold. I'm going to ask that you look at me and you raise your hand and you make sure I can see your hand. Declare it for the first time. All right. For all of us in this room, Jesus, you are our answer. And we are to take that answer to the problem, to the situation. Just like Carlito, to bring solution, not conflict. Lord, the gospel brings enough conflict to end its own. So Lord, I ask that you use us that you bring opportunity before us to bring the message of the gospel, to bring the mystery of the good news, to bring the hope, the light, and the passion that you have for humanity into our very streets, our very neighborhoods, our homes, our workplaces, our schools, our athletic fields, the classrooms, the markets, online. Social media, wherever we may go, Lord, use us, because there are people that need hope. They need community. They need to know that their life means something and has meaning. Jesus, take us where only you go.
We ask these things this morning in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Would you please stand? It's called you to adventure. And that starts here. That starts today. The adventure is loving the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. And loving your neighbor as yourself. Will you please go do that? And bring blessing wherever you may go. We love you. We'll pray for you this week. Go do it. We love you. We'll see you. Thank you for listening to the Wapak Naz podcast. We hope you are moved deeply to step into God and the hope and future he has for you. And that you are moved to be salt, light, and yeast in your community and to love people to Jesus.